From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, specialty schedule reveal. The ACC lays out the midweek slate. The Knowles playing on a Friday. New mock draft, new thoughts, and we look at the defense. Could there be a singular player who, if they live up to their vast potential, could make this team have a super high ceiling for 2024? Wake Up Board Chance presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. CPTallyBar.com is the website. You can always have the QR code on your screen. That will take you right to aforementioned website where you can check out the daily lunch specials as well as the social calendar. Hope you had fun at bingo last night, or rather, I'm sorry, trivia last night, everybody. Bingo coming up on Thursday. Uh, but today's lunch special on Wednesdays is five-piece chicken wings, the best wings in all of Tallahassee, I say, and French fries. Only $8.99 at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Do check it out. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. Hit the thumbs up. Leave a five-star rating review, please. Or we can earn it if you're in that market to uh, give out your praise, which is fine. We get it. It's cool. Uh, so a bit of a uneven show. Corey and I did some instant reaction to the schedule midweek reveal. Again, today at 5 o'clock, the whole schedule, everything, top to bottom, every team, every day, uh, time, not the times, but, you know, who they're playing and where they're playing and when they're playing in terms of the date. Uh, that's going to get released at 5 o'clock. Corey and I will be live on YouTube to react to it. But on Tuesday, the ACC, as part of this three-day reveal, uh, unveiled their specialty games, which is Thursday and Friday. So Corey and I reacted to it in this video that we're going to right now. The specialty schedule, Corey, a.k.a. Thursday and Friday games, which is what we all think of when we hear the word specialty, right? Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That dropped today from the ACC, these midweek games. Uh, for those like me that harken back to a day where Florida State hosted a team in conference on a Thursday night in Doe Campbell Stadium, magical day against Clemson back in 2002, we're... We're not going to get that. We're not going to get that. Not going to happen. But Florida State will have a specialty game. Corey, what do you think about that? They will take on Duke Friday night game in Durham week eight, October 18th against Manny Diaz and the Blue Devils, Corey. Only a specialty midweek game for the Knowles. Maybe conspicuously absent from this list, Corey Clemson. Thoughts on both of those things? Well, first, I, I like... I like the Friday night games more than the Thursday night games. I don't know why, but I do. Um, just feels more uh, – I didn't like them when they first got introduced, but now I do. Um, the, the Thursday nights, just Florida State's always struggled with them. It's a shorter week. You're competing with the NFL. Who wants all that? So Thursday nights are devoted to, uh, you know, the Mac, I guess. But that feels like, Aslan, right now, as we sit here talking, we know three of their conference opponents. Well, I guess we know five. We know Clemson is coming at some point, and we know Florida State's going to Miami at another point. But the other three games are Georgia Tech in Ireland, Boston College on Monday night, and then Duke at Duke on a Friday night. Well, if one of your road games is at Duke, that seems pretty winnable, doesn't it? Especially first-year coach, uh, new quarterback, because the other guy just left. Like, that seems like a, 
the ACC didn't do Florida State dirty by any by any stretch. Like you would you were worried about like Thursday night in Raleigh or something. But mm. no, it's a Friday night in uh, I was going to say Friday night at Cameron. A Friday night at Wallace Wade, which is right next to Cameron. Yeah. Oh, uh, where did that go? There was that the old one? Is this the new? One? I'm trying to look at the uh, uh, the the full composite they have again of, of your conference opponents, not necessarily and uh, any sort of order. So yeah, Boston College, Cal, Clemson, North Carolina, Duke, Georgia Tech, Miami, SMU. That Georgia Tech game in Ireland will count as a road game. Then you know you're playing at Duke on a Friday night. So otherwise, you got to go to Dallas, take on the Ponies, SMU, and then Miami. So uh, that's what we do know. Um, yeah, man, I guess manageable is more or less what you're trying to kind of paint a picture of or uh, delightful uh, surprise that the ACC didn't really do anything uh, ill-reputed to hurt the Knolls. Now, we'll see what like who that game is the Saturday before, if that's a bye week or if that or if they actually have to play an ACC opponent on whatever that would be October 12th hmm. and then have a short week to prepare to, for a road game, which is always harder. But yeah, man, I don't think anybody could be uh, really upset with if you're you knew you were going to have one of these games. In fact, we talked earlier this week. We thought the whole schedule might be Thursday and Friday night games for Florida State just for the ACC to really uh, twist the screws in there. But I I think Friday night at Duke be an odd atmosphere, but probably pretty fun, probably pretty festive. And I think there'll be a lot of Florida State fans there and it might mean something that might be a very important game. And, you know, that will be the third time, at least already that season, because uh, you know, Georgia Tech is week zero. Everybody will be watching that game in Ireland. Then the next game is a Monday night when you're the only game on against Boston College. People will be watching that one. And then this Friday night is you're the only game on. So that's three. That's another three day, three weeks at least, which you should get pretty big ratings numbers because people are going to be interested in Florida State. And big ratings numbers are appealing when you're maybe trying to get your foot in another conference at once ratings and a, a big TV audience. Mm. Just a but thought. Also, uh, Mike Norvell's on a bit of a winning streak here. We might have to call him like Hallmark Mike uh, when it comes to holidays and odd day games, right? Like they they won the Labor Day contest against LSU in 22, went on a Friday night, beat Louisville. Yeah. Black Friday at home against the Gators. Yeah. Then 23, taking out LSU again on Labor Day. Uh, so he's kind of comfortable in these situations. So we'll take it. Yeah, yeah, even the the game they lost in 21, that Monday night game, they had no business being in overtime with that Notre Dame team. Uh, that team couldn't even beat Jacksonville State. And they were there in overtime against Notre Dame. on. I think that was a Monday night, too. So, uh, yeah, he's done a pretty good job with these things. They've, they've usually put their best foot forward in games like this. And, again, I just think Duke. Without Riley Leonard, by the way, don't forget, yeah. he's in Notre Dame now, so they don't have their quarterback. Well, it's a first-year coach against a guy in his fifth year with an established program. Um, that should not be too challenging a game. I'm, I know I'm speaking this nine months before it happens, but everything on paper right now, that should not be too challenging. And that's a nice, uh, that's nice exposure for your program to go on the road, hopefully get a conference win, uh, and get that much closer to getting in the ACC championship again. You know, no, no disrespect to the good folks in Durham, North Carolina. I mean, they, they got turned up, you could say, against Clemson and that yeah, opener this right. past year. But obviously nowhere near the expectations, nowhere near the roster, as you said, a first-year coach. So when you kind of really start piecing things together, I mean, outside of, I don't know, playing at Wake, um, I mean, there's probably no other more favorable place to be on a Thursday or Friday odd night and playing an away game 
than Wallace Wade, I would feel like, in this conference right now. Or Cal? Isn't Cal horrible? Yeah, here you go. Okay, I guess maybe, maybe they weren't Cal horrible. I feel like I feel like they were okay last year. I don't remember. I know they've been horrible. I know their basketball team's horrible. Uh, but maybe their maybe their football team is better than I remember. But yeah, I, I honestly thought this might be at SMU. I that just had the feelings for me that they would. That seems like an SMU night to play anyway. No offense, Mustangs fans. A Friday night, and it's their first year in the conference. It's a big game. I I figured they might want that on a Friday night for some exposure. But no, it's a uh, it's uh, at Duke, where Florida State has never lost. Yeah. Also, I guess I would think maybe Cal and Stanford would maybe actually pack it out, though, for Florida State the first time ever, right? Like the first time they are there, there's yeah. a bit of a novelty. Duke won't have that same kind of energy and excitement and electricity. So there you I go. I wonder how many times Cal Berkeley has filled their stadium since Aaron Rodgers left. Yeah. What do you think that number is? Over under five, they've had sellouts since then. I would, I would take the under. I don't even know if the game against Stanford on those years would even pack it out. Uh, right. Southern it might Cal. with Stanford fans, but yeah, that's that's never gonna be a that's never gonna be a tough place to play necessarily. But yeah, I mean when you look at those teams, um, you know, you know who you're playing away, you're playing Duke, Georgia Tech doesn't even count. So now you look at it, you've got four home games that we knew about, and then you've got the road game at Duke which on a Friday night against Duke, that's not all that challenging. And then you've got Georgia Tech on a neutral site. I think SMU has a 25,000-seat stadium. Um, these That's not th – those road contests just in conference um, don't don't fill you with a lot of fear right now as we as we talk in late January. When you look at this slate, I guess we're not going to stretch this out too much longer, everybody. But when you look at some of these teams on your screen here, if you're watching the video and – if you're listening to the podcast version of this, you know, Clemson's in-conference slate home games, Louisville, North Carolina State, Stanford, Virginia, yeah. and then away at Tallahassee, at Pitt, at Blacksburg, Virginia Tech, and then at Wake Forest. Uh, I like dodging Louisville. And I don't want to, I don't want to try to gas up Louisville too much, but like when we kind of look at this, I don't know if we still think about Clemson being the, the biggest threat in this conference, uh, but like, you know, again, if you're, your snake pit game is a Friday night game at Duke. Like I feel much better about that than having to play Louisville, your former coordinator coming back in Tony Elliott in Virginia and having to go at lane stadium, maybe like on a, on a night game when Virginia tech's kind of juiced up a little bit. Um, or should I scroll down? We got Louisville on the screen there too. They, um, you know, probably have about as equal of a schedule as Florida state has. So just kind of pleased thinking about this, you know? Yeah. You know, you look at Louisville that, you know, they, that they have, they brought in a lot of, a lot of transfers. They were good last year, um, and then they had the number one or number two portal class in the country. They're going to be they're going to be a contender to win the championship. Certainly to get there to Charlotte. There, I would say them and Clemson and Miami and Florida State. Those are the four. When you look at this at the rosters right now in January, are the four probably prominent favorites, predominant favorites to to get to Charlotte. And then yeah, like Clemson, NC State's never easy. They're always well coached. That's always a good team. That's always an eight-win team. That's a bowl team. That's not an automatic win. At Virginia Tech, I don't think is an automatic win with the way Clemson's played offense lately. And neither is at Wake Forest because Clawson's a good coach. And they had a down year, and I don't expect them to be that down again this year. So and also they have to go to Florida State. So when you look at that in Louisville at home, like they have a tougher schedule. Louisville seems to have about this. Louisville probably has an easier schedule than Florida State, um, except the at Clemson part. But, you know, when you look at those th those three teams in particular, 
I think Florida State and Louisville have, uh, you know, about the same schedule. I think Clemson has the hardest of the bunch. And then you look at Miami. They have to go to Louisville, and they have Florida State at home. Um, not that they get great crowds for any of those other home games, so that doesn't really matter. But, yeah, I think Clemson, when you look at it on paper, NC State is the one team that Clemson plays that those other three teams don't play. And Cle- NC State's a bugaboo, man. They they have a, they have they do well. They're a good program. They're a top, 20, top 25-ish program that can certainly go into Death Valley and win. Nobody does that anymore, but they could maybe. And Louisville does could too. Again, here's what we know so far. Obviously, Florida State will start the 24 season off in Ireland Saturday, August 24th against Georgia Tech. Uh, they will then have a quasi-bye week as they get ready for their home opener, ACC opener as well, against Boston College September 2nd. They've got Memphis September 14th. That Duke Friday night game, October 18th. Um, and then you don't have to worry. I was kind of nervous about maybe they'd have to play at Notre Dame that following week, but they don't because that the November 9th game. Uh, Then you've got your favorable FCS matchup the week before the Gators. So uh, I know you guys did it on what you guys do on headlines as a breakout video, just about the chance they go 12 and 0 again. Uh, Well, basically neither, none of us think that's even 50, 50. Um, I I think I said 30% chance. They might've been a little bit higher than me, but yeah, I think when you look at this schedule and we'll know it all uh, on Wednesday, the, the two big question marks, well, three North Carolinas. That's a that's a good team. Nah, they're gonna they're nah. gonna have a decent offense. They always do. They're gonna they're not gonna be a pushover. North Carolina is never a team you beat by forty. But you're gonna want to know where Clemson and Miami line up on the schedule. That's where you're gonna want to know. Is Miami gonna be a November game again? Is that gonna be in between Notre Dame and Charleston Southern? Are you gonna have to play at Notre Dame and at Miami back to back? I wouldn't. The ACC might have done that. You can't blame them. Will you play at Notre Dame and then Clemson at home? Like it'll be. That's where I want to see is where Miami and Clemson fall on the schedule. Yeah, because we October is wide open. Other than that Duke game, so we'll see how it all pieces together. Again, that will be five o'clock on Wednesday, five to seven o'clock. The ACC will reveal uh, the schedule in its entirety, days, dates. Uh, so we'll have that as a live show, most likely as well. Corey and I, again, that'll be part of the podcast for your Thursday. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Vitamin Energy. Website is vitaminenergy.com. Promo code is WarchampBogo. WarchampB O G O. Type that into the screen. You get one item of equal or lesser value for absolutely free. It's awesome. You get a box, 12 bottles, 24 though, when you use the promo code. And it's free, that other half of it. The Vitamin Energy Workout Plus in the rotation this week for me, Corey. Like all the great Vitamin Energy products, it is packed with vitamins and nutrients and 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine and no zero zip skadoosh, I think might be a word for nothing. Sugar, no sugar, everybody. Yeah, no sugar. Magnesium, I just realized that. This whole time I've been taking Vitamin Energy Workout Plus, maybe I've been sleeping better at night because it's got the magnesium in there. We all need magnesium in our diets. Helps you sleep a little bit better. Helps with some muscle synthesis. 
all this stuff is packed into this little bottle in my hand, in the palm of my small, small, tiny hands uh, that I would be ridiculed for if I ran for president, but I don't. I just talk on a podcast with Corey Clark, which is second best thing to do in the free world. Mm. Uh, take advantage. Go to vimeenergy.com. Promo code again, Corey. Warchamp BOGO. Mm. BOGO, BOGO. Warchamp BOGO. That's right. And uh, that promo code, courtesy of our great friends over at Vime Energy, that are like a lot of you folks. Uh, they went to Florida State, but they're like all of us. They love Florida State, so they're hooking you folks up. Shake it and take it. Give it a try. Pretty sure you'll like it. Vitamenergy.com. Promo code Warchant BOGO. All right, Corey. So uh, in the quest for content, Thankfully, I didn't, I didn't misspeak and, and talk out of turn, talk out of school. Uh, did not want to do that. I have utmost faith, faith rather, that everything's going to work out for guys like Jared Verse and Keon Coleman. Uh, it was a little bit dubious, I thought. I was a little bit a little mildly concerned when, again, I saw that Daniel Jeremiah mock draft come out over the weekend that did not have Keon Coleman in the first round despite having like six wide receivers. Uh, and then on Tuesday... Our guy, Uncle Mel, Mel Kuyper, drops his mock draft, and sure enough, he's got Keon Coleman in the first round, 15th overall to the Colts. That's strong to quite strong. He's got Jared Verse going 19th to the Rams. I guess the belief is like Keon would replace Micah's brother, Michael Pittman Jr., as like the number one guy as maybe his rookie contract kind of comes to a wrap. Keon at 15th, like... Um, I mean, I know, again, it's it's the offseason. We're looking for things to talk about. I don't know how much of a roller coaster it is for a guy like Keon when he maybe doesn't see his name in one mock, sees his name in another mock. I think I think like 15th would almost be a little bit too ambitious for a pick, but when you see your name and that number, you're like, man, I'll take that, obviously. Uh, would you be surprised? Like, if I put the over-under at 14.5 on Keon to go in the draft, would you say uh, before the 14th-and-a-half the pick that doesn't exist or after the 14th pick? I would say after, um, and I would say Jared. If you did that with Jared at nineteen, I would say before. Yeah, man. Um, that's but you know, look in here. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta recalibrate things here for for our lovely listeners, our dear listeners. You know, a mock draft in January is more informative, and I guess more, um, you know, accurate, potentially accurate than a mock draft in October, but barely, okay. because there's been no combine and there's been no pro days. So that's where they, they really – the pro days matter. The combine really matters. They want to see these guys run in front of them, uh, see what they're working with, the tools, what they measure at, how strong they are, all that stuff. Um, and that, that just re- – you know, if, the, if you want to draft Keon 20th and then he goes and runs a 4-5-8, well, you're going to draft him 20th. Like he hasn't done anything to worry you. But if he goes and runs a 4-8-4, four, four, you're like, yeah, Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know if we want to spend a first-round pick on a guy that runs like a lineman. So that's where I, I think the combine comes into play. It'll it'll be more crystal crystallized, I think, um, when 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 the combine is over, when the pro days are over. Like those mock drafts that come out a week before, and I'm talking about like Kuiper and Jeremiah and those guys. Those are the those you tend to be pretty accurate. The ones in January, they can be all over the map. But mm-hmm. on your question to Keon. I think hopefully he's got people in his corner and his in his uh, you know that that are telling him that that people in his life advisors uh, on his team his yeah. advisors are telling him look man none of this really matters just keep preparing for the combine but then also um, he's going to be fine either way mm. whether he's dra- he wants to be a first round pick he wants to be a top ten pick they all do but if he's drafted thirty fourth he is going to make an NFL team and he's going to make a lot of money playing football. 
the the ones I'm more interested in, not that you asked me about this, is the Fabian Lovitz and Renardo Greens and Jarian Jones. I'm more about Jaheim, like because I you you mentioned earlier in the week, and I agree with you that. It would be a really hard ask to tell Keon to come back. Uh, by the way, it seems like people are pro- the other, you know, the, the lesser draft analysis has him projected to run like a four five. So I guess, you know, if he runs like a four five three, probably wouldn't be the end of the world for him. Oh, uh, no, no. If he runs a four five three, that is a big, big check in his box. Four five three is mil- moving. Okay. And the reason I say that LaMarcus Joyner is one of the fastest people I've ever seen on a football field. I, I talk about that Idaho play all the time from 2013 where he pressured the quarterback to get rid of the ball and then made a tackle 70 yards downfield in a game they ended up winning by 60 points. Just an unreal speed. Ask Taj Boyd how fast LaMarcus Joyner is. But he ran a, like a 4-5-2. He ran in the 4-5s. 4-5 is moving, uh, especially when you're 6'4", 215 pounds or whatever Keon is. Right. If he can be in the 4-5s anywhere in that range – that's going to be a that's going to be very big for him. If he's in the 4-4s, forget about it. That's a oh, top yeah. 15 pick. Yeah. But you know, Renardo, Akeem, Fabian, like those guys have no eligibility remaining. So, right. you know, curious to see where they go just in terms of how we valued them, what we saw from them and what NFL teams think about their play. I guess, you know, again, Keon with kind of being firmly thought about as a first round pick, second round pick, which top end of the second round pick would be a financially prudent move for him to make versus what he would do in, in the college game. I really think it's only Jaheim is the only guy that might, might, which is my, I don't want to go any, say any stronger word than might, but he might be the one player that you would think of if he would have returned, had the most upside to, to increase yeah. his value versus the potential of, uh, you know, unless catastrophic injury were to strike, because again, like these guys have exhausted their eligibility. Johnny has it, but again, Johnny six. Johnny is what he is. I don't know. He could come back and not drop anything, and that maybe that reimagines what he could possibly be. But he's played so much football; it's just going to be part of his game. It might be just the way he's built, having those long levers. Just might be a tough way to bring in some of these passes. And I'm not sure he dropped a ball after like the. The Southern Miss game, he had a couple of really bad drops, and I don't know that he dropped one after that. Like, he caught almost everything, including a huge catch in the swamp. Um, he made a really nice catch for a first down in, in uh, Charlotte. They didn't have many first downs that night, but that was one of them. Like, he made – That catch against made, the Gators, like in the corner, like b- – That's like what right I'm saying, the, the one that set up their first touchdown, yeah. I think. That yep. was a great catch on third down. That's an incredible catch. So, he made – look, he we know he had some drops, but I don't – the, the last – nine weeks, ten weeks of the season, he caught just about everything he could catch. Uh, he And Keon had more drops, honestly. Yeah. Keon had a bad drop against Florida. He had a bad drop against Louisville um, that that could have been huge plays that he didn't co- hang on to. So, um, so yeah, I don't I – don't, Johnny couldn't do anything. He is what he is. He's not going to run a 4-4, but he's 6-7, has a great wingspan, is very quick for his size. And I think, you know, I, I looked at the WalterFootball.com. There weren't – there because I, I wrote a story for this for the website about where these guys are in the mock drafts. And Verse and Coleman were the two main guys because they're the two potential first-rounders. Nobody else is projected to go anywhere close to that. So – and there aren't many drafts, mock drafts, that go more than a round or two at this point. Well, Walter Football went three rounds, and they had Johnny Wilson and Jaheim Bell – being picked in the 80s or like 87th and 89th or 91st. Uh, but Jay, I don't, yeah, Johnny, Johnny's produced at a pretty high level. And I don't know that the, other than going for like 
90 catches for 100 for 1600 yards. I don't know if there's anything he could do coming back that would have enhanced his stock into a first round pick. Well, he's um, so he could do that though. I would think, man. I mean, 80s. If you're in the 80s, that's what that's that's end of the third round, pretty much. Yeah, it's third round. Yeah, it's end of the third round for you both. Know, of them. I mean, there's a significant chance if you're Johnny Wilson. I mean, you are the focal point of this receiving. I mean, you are the focal yeah. point of the receiving attack, and you uh, would produce big numbers in this offense. But I, you know, I, I don't get know. It. Do you he think? A lot I don't of know that. Too. I don't know that Norvell has offenses where wide receivers put up huge numbers. You know, he had Johnny Antonio for two Gibson. years. I think Antonio Gibson had a really big year at uh, Memphis, but I think they, they they do spread it out a bit, a, a little bit. But again, it, what we've seen from Mike Norvell is with is with Jordan, who has such a firm understanding of what this offense is and where the ball needs to go all the time. You know, maybe a guy like DJ just leans on somebody that's six foot seven when they might not know yeah, the maybe. offense inside and out the way that Jordan did. But I, you know, look, may, maybe, maybe he could have turned himself into a first round pick. I think that's a big, maybe I think he, yeah, he produced at a pretty high level for two years at Florida state, um, won a bunch of games, made a bunch of big time catches. I don't know that his stock could have gotten much higher, and he would have dropped some passes next year. That's not necessarily going away, um, and he also would still be the same speed, which I think is his biggest hindrance is the speed because he's six seven two thirty. I mean, they're not supposed to run that fast. He runs faster than you would think, and he's very quick uh, off the line. He's really hard to deal with. He comes in and out of breaks real well. He's I and I I'm not convinced he'll be a third round pick. I think he could be higher than that. But going back to Jaheim, that is a good point. Like, Jahe, like he didn't produce a ton this year no. because of the injury, because he played with a bunch of other guys. But I think he's a – you remember, Aslan, this is what they thought of Jaheim Bell just as a football player. Their first play in overtime at death in Death Valley against Clemson was a handoff to Jaheim Bell in the backfield. Mm. He lined up at running back, and they handed him the ball in overtime at Clemson. And then the next play, obviously, the first-round pick went and made a great catch in the end zone, and you won the game. But that's where Jaheim was for this team in September, right? Like, he scored the touchdowns against LSU. He had a running touchdown and a receiving touchdown. He made some great blocks. He showed what he could be. I think he had a touchdown against Boston College and should have had another one. Like, he was awesome in September. But then he did get banged up, and he wasn't the same guy the rest of the year. He still tried. He still gutted it out. He still made plays. But he wasn't special. He is a guy that if he'd a play if he played a full season in 2024 and was able to stay healthy, could put together a special enough season that he could up his draft stock by 30 or 40 spots. I bet. Yeah. I bet he could have, and I bet there was a real thought to coming back. But you know, when he declared, he didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. Yeah. He didn't know what this team was going to look like. Maybe now, looking at what this roster is, and maybe getting feedback from some of these teams. Maybe he would he he would like to come back and and be a part of this team because he could up his draft stock. Most of the other guys, like we talked about, well, only who was it? Just it was just Burst, Coleman, and him and Johnny that left early, right? Mm. Yeah. So that none of the other guys were going to come back and try to up their draft stock. They had already accomplished a ton at the college level, and they all did a lot in twenty three. Well, Trey, but, but again, Trey's a running back. Trey's a running back. Yeah, you're it. right. That's a whole different deal. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, yeah, I think that's a good. Good question there, Aslan. I think he is the guy that you kind of you wonder what he could have done for his if if he gets drafted in like the third or fourth round, yeah. he could have come back and maybe worked himself into a second round pick, perhaps. Uh, Aslan's an idiot. Antonio Gibson mainly a running back when he was at Memphis. He's a running back in the NFL as well. But they had a Demonte Coxie 
caught over 70 passes in 2018 and 2019. I mean, 70 passes each year at 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns uh, in 2019. And then their number one receiver in the 16-17 seasons, the first year that Norvell was in Memphis, was Anthony Miller. He had 96 for 146 for 146 and 18 touchdowns in 2017. He had 96 for 146 or 1460. 1462. He had 96 catches for 1462 yards and 18 wow. touchdowns. Wow. At Memphis? At Memphis. All right. And, I wonder that sounds like a guy that you're throwing a lot of bubbles to. And the year before that, 95 catches for 1434 yards and 14 touchdowns. Is this kid in the league? Did he make it? I don't he think had, so. He had 190 catches over a two-year span at 3,000 yards almost? That is right. He uh, is a free agent. He All played right. for the Texans and the Bears. Does he have any eligibility left? Miami's got that night, the kid on his ninth year <laughs> yeah. tied in. Can this yeah. kid transfer to Florida State? Yeah. His rookie year? year, he caught 33 balls, seven touchdowns. Wow. All yeah. right. Okay. Then the next year, he came back with 52 catches. You know what's interesting is I bet he is – that is crazy. All right. So he made a mark in the league. Yeah. Um I, 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 like you could I be think, that guy, Johnny. You could have been that guy, Johnny. No, no, no. He couldn't. Johnny's never going to be that guy because I think those guys that have ninety-five catches or eighty-eight catches right. in a twelve-game season, screen game, that is a lot of screens. Um, and Johnny and Keon aren't those guys. Like they tried to throw screens to Keon. I always thought it just wasn't working. That's not what he does. He's not one of those. He's not Jakai Douglas. But I do think this year. They might find a guy, and they're not. There's no gonna not gonna be anybody on this team that has 95 catches. But couldn't you foresee a season or a year where, you know, Destin Hill could average could have 50 catches, and 26 of them are screens, or Vandravius Jacobs, or Jakai, or the kid from Indiana, whoever you deem to be the guy you want to get one on one outside with some blocking. I just think that's kind of disappeared. From, that disappeared from the playbook a bit this year. I thought. The, the, you know, the bubble yeah. screen, the screens on the line of scrimmage. And, of course, it would to an extent because you've got two really big-time, big wide receivers that you want to hit down the field. But I wonder if that element of his offense comes back this year with a different type of receiving core. I just want them to be successful and have fun, and I, I don't want to see a lot of screen passes. I'm not a fan of it. But I guess when it's executed well – They're fun to watch. Yeah. So uh, we'll see if they do incorporate that more with these different bodied receivers that maybe are a little bit more – better fits uh, in that sort of attack. Over at mybookie.ag, we've got the lines for both games now because both games are uh, set. We record a little too early on Sunday. We probably probably could have gone off for a good 15 minutes on talking about the uh, Chiefs-Bills game. Mm. But such is life. Decided to do what we did when we did it. Kansas City at Baltimore. Baltimore giving out three and a half. Niners hosting Detroit, giving out seven. Uh, 51 the total points if it's not raining i'll go over on that that would be my pick my safest pick of the championship weekend core you have thoughts feelings on either of those games 44 and a half the total points in the afc championship game man i don't know why i get what i'm saying and i know mahomes might end up being the best that's ever done it uh, i think i think baltimore's a cinch to win that game hmm. uh, i think that defense is insane uh, they're playing like it's like Ray Lewis and Peter Bowler out there again. It's nuts how good they've been defensively. And, uh, by the way, who would have thought that the Kyle Hamilton kid would be this good? Oh, wait, everybody that was in Doak that night. 
That guy's incredible. The Notre Dame safety that was so good uh, that picked off. He's the last. He's the only guy I think that's probably intercepted Jordan Travis twice in one game. Um, but so the Ravens just man, they look like a different animal. They just look like a different animal. I think it's Lamar's time. I think it's that team's time. And I know Mahomes has been is always Mahomes, but I just. I, their offense hasn't been good all year. They were good this past weekend, but that was against a beat-up Bills defense that had a linebacker playing that was on the couch a few weeks ago. Like, I just think I think the Ravens are too much to handle in this game, and I like them to win that game pretty comfortably. All right, there you go. Check it out. Lock my- of the week. That's the stone-cold <laughs> lock of the week. Uh, check it out over at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code WARCHAM for an instant cash deposit bonus. Promo requires $50 minimum deposit and rollover requirement of one time the deposit total, including your bonus for withdrawal. For full terms and conditions, visit mybookie.ag slash about dash us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Corey, who can we give the most irrational uh, expectations, sky-high expectations on for this upcoming season? Seeing the tweets out there, uh, Patrick Payton sticking up for his guy, Joshua Farmer. There was a graphic, I don't know if it was PFF or uh, maybe it was on three, I'm not sure, but it had headshots of several talented defensive linemen, and it said, who's the best returning defensive lineman in 2014, or 2024 rather? And Patrick Payton uh, retweeted it. Patrick Payton retweeted it and said, Joshua Farmer. Yeah. Uh, does he have a higher ceiling than Daryl Jackson? He's a, is he the one singular player other than your quarterback that if he plays at the expectations of, of the super fan that has out there uh, and the folks that talk about this team for a living could have the biggest impact on just how successful the team could be in 24? No, I don't think a defensive tackle is that important. Um not not on the same level as like a even a defensive end. I think if Marvin is uh, our Marvins, however you want to whatever you want to call him, um, if he ends up being a five star type player, uh, he'll have more of an impact than Josh Farmer. I mean that would be imagine that because you know what Pat Payton is. He's good. Imagine having having another really good defensive end that can get to the quarterback on top of the two dudes you brought in in the portal. I think that's more impactful than Farmer, but. You know, Farmer was pretty good this year. He was not Braden Fisk, but he could be. Like, he could be that. I want to see him take over games. He's had good moments almost in every game, and he's been very good. And I know a defensive tackle, unless your name is Indomitian Sue in the late 2000s, they don't take over college football games necessarily. But I want to see him be more consistently disruptive. And it's in there. We've seen it. And if he continues to develop like Patrick Payton has, then, yeah, man, he could be one of the – I just want him to be one of the best in the conference. Okay. If he's one of the best in the conference, to go along with Daryl Jackson, who I think at worst is going to be solid. And he could be more than that. Again, telling you folks, in the spring, when we all thought he was going to get eligible, he was – I thought he was the best defensive tackle they had consistently. I thought Daryl Jackson was the best guy they had. 
Well, Braden Fisk ended up being that guy. But if you get Daryl Jackson and Farmer to play well, that's a, that's a really big deal, man. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'd say he's the – I think what it was, the tweet was, it had five interior linemen named right. as, like, the five best in the country. And it's like, who's number six? Oh, the and, other. Yeah, it is. And Patrick Payton said Joshua Farmer. Okay. So. Guy from Cincinnati, guy from Kentucky, uh, guy from Notre Dame, Michigan, and Clemson rounded out the five. So, okay. um, Farmer started every single game this past year for Florida State. Graded out at fifty-seven point four, though. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Um, well, maybe just the the announcement from Battles End that was quite you know uh, glowing. But I guess you know, it, it is true, man. He was the first guy that committed to Mike Norvell. Uh, once he actually, you know, was firmly in place here at Florida State. It wasn't part of that class that got thrown together last minute for 2020. It was the first, like, 21 signee for them. So there's, you know, that that kind of, uh, you know, nostalgia, I guess you could say. But, yeah, I mean, you know, 6'3", 311 pounds, man, if he can be really disruptive. But it's it's hard to, I guess, quantify it. It's so much easier to see guys off the edge. We don't focus on what's going on between the tackles. But um, if he can play as – as excited as he seemingly seems to be for this upcoming season and the people that uh, kept him around are, makes you feel just good about what the defense can look like. Certainly. Yeah, and, and yeah, with the defensive tackle, it's so hard to judge uh, impact through stats alone. Because, look, I'll be honest with you, I thought Fabian Lovett, when he played, was very, very impactful. But he'd only played 22 snaps a game, and I don't know how many tackles he had this year. I would guess 20, if that, maybe a sack like Fabian Lovett didn't have great numbers, but I thought he was a I thought he was a good player when he played. And Braden Fisk didn't have great numbers until the last what two two three games of the season, um, maybe even the last game of the season. But he he there were no he was good against Florida too. But he was there were times where he was just a wrecking ball. But you're just not going to put up and again unless you're in Dominican Sioux, you're just not going to put up huge numbers. But yeah, man, Farmer and Jackson. When you hope Grady Kelly, the kid from Colorado State, and yeah, I brought this up on headlines. There's no law that says Daniel Lyons can't take a huge vault and be a, a really good player, a productive player. K.J. Sampson, second year in the system. Those guys can take leaps. That's what I want to see. I want to see these defensive linemen that you recruited take leaps and maybe don't let the Colorado State transfer get on the field because he can't beat out the guys you've already brought in. That's a good problem to have, but yeah, I mean, I think they're they're going to have four guys at defensive tackle. I just don't know who that fourth one will be. Uh, Joshua had twenty pressures, sixteen tackles according to PFF. Uh, twenty pressures on two hundred fifteen pass rush snaps. Fabian had eleven pressures on one hundred sixty eight pass rush snaps. Yeah, Fabian graded out seventy eight point four. That's, yeah, I mean, I thought he was, was really good. good. And he didn't practice at all the whole season, basically. <laughs> yeah. But he—I mean, I thought he was—I thought he was good when he played. I think they did a—they did a really good job with limiting his snaps. Uh, but well, they managed him there, perfectly. They, yeah, they, they did. They managed him perfectly. Uh, and then th- looking at your story, which has been up on Warchant.com for a few days now, so we can talk about it freely, openly here on the show. But you should be subscribed to it. You could have read this days ago and been that mm-hmm. much more smart, yeah. that much earlier and quicker. That's how life works, everybody. I did a little bit more looking into, because I don't want to say research, but looking into on the Earl Little Jr. piece of this thing. And, and, you know, Michael Langston said it on the show Monday that he thinks that he'll probably help out at safety. Because uh, at first I was like, all right, he's because he, you know, in the limited snaps that he had in Alabama, he played slot cornerback. So I was like, all right, they're going to put him in the slot. Which next time we talk to Adam Floor, I want to ask, why does it seem to be like you, you can never go from a boundary or field cornerback to, safety but for some reason slot 
to safety makes sense. I wonder what's part of the the skill set or the responsibilities that seems to carry over. But yeah, I mean, if Earl Little is your your answer at safety, and I looked at him as not a depth piece, but just in enhancing what you had at the the cover corner spots. If he's your safety with Shaheem, and then we've got Azarie and you know who are we thinking greedy, you know is is you know Fentrell actually you know Fentrell still yeah. around. Those are your two top wide receivers and or cornerbacks Quarters, rather. Yeah. And then you think about you know greedy. Maybe Knowles goes back to uh, backing up at that third slot sort of position. Uh, that's that's a really good secondary, man. I don't want to say upgrade because uh, you lose Renardo and you lose Akeem, but man, Earl Little can possibly be better than what Akeem was at least. So Especially the the Akeem that we had in 23 because, again, I talk about a guy that wasn't healthy much. That was him. Uh, he battled it out. He gutted it out, but he was another guy that was was banged up for a lot of the year. Uh, but he was incredible in that Florida game, by the way. So oh, yeah. shout out to him. But, yeah, you know, it'll that that's one of the things I really want to see. I want to see where Earl Little lines up. Uh, in the spring, what they what his what their plans are for him, um, because I think he could be. There's a chance he could be really good. Again, he has to prove it. He's I just, had injury problems too in Alabama. Yes. You're hoping that maybe fresh slate gives him a little bit. But better. he, you know, he's been in that system for two years. He's got the pedigree with his dad. He was a big time recruit. He's got a ton of confidence. That always helps. Uh, I, I wonder what they'll do with him. I wonder if it's the combination, right? Like, yeah, you could probably say Earl Little if he's a slot corner. is I, I don't know this. haven't seen it. It's sight unseen. Might be better. Probably is better than Greedy Vance. But mm. is Earl Little at slot corner and let's say Conrad Hussey at safety, is that a better combination than Greedy Vance at corner and Earl Little at safety? What gets your best players on the field? Because that, to me, has been one of Adam Fuller's strengths since he took this job, at least since halftime of the Louisville game in 21. <laughs> yeah. one, his strength has been getting his best, most dependable players on the field together yeah. and keeping them there, figuring out Renardo needs to be a corner, figuring out, no offense, Travis Jay doesn't need to be on the field, figuring out where does, a, where does Akeem fit or where does Knowles fit. Um, and Azarie, how much time is he going to – all this stuff, man. I just – he's done a really good job there, and I think that's what he's going to be looking for is what – where does Earl Little impact them the most that gives him the, the the best five or six DBs on the field at a time? Mm. But, yeah, there's a chance, man. But especially, again, because Akeem wasn't – Akeem for a lot of the season, that this secondary – because I think Azarie is going to – I think Azarie is an NFL – if he's not a first-day pick, I think he's a second-day pick. Um and Cypress, I think, can play in the league. But Cypress, at the very worst, is solid. And Azarie has a chance to be a star. I think Azarie is very, very good. So there's a chance you're, you're, you're secondary with Shaheem with another year, with the addition of Earl Little. I think there's a chance your secondary can be as good as it was last year. Remember last year, gang, it was like, what, fourth in the country in pass efficiency defense? They were great last year. And they might be just as good this year if Earl Little lives up to the hype we're giving him here on Wake Up War Champ. Fifth team passing efficiency defense, 10th. Or sorry, fifth, 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 fifth. fifth. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. And I bet that includes the Georgia game. It does. Which which it should not. (laughs) So, yeah. You know know what? I've had this tab open for so long, it didn't even include the Louisville and Georgia game. So they were 10th going into the Louisville game. They finished the season 6th. So go okay. figure. They shut down Louisville so much that it didn't even matter what happened in the Georgia game. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. That Georgia game should not. They got to go back to bowl stats don't count. 
Yeah, just like they did back game. in the day. Yeah, yeah, unless it's a playoff game, those stats don't count. All right. I don't need uh, Muschamp's kid getting first downs. I don't need McConkey's <laughs> crazy reverse counting as a real touchdown. None of that should have. None of that should have counted. Uh, by the way, PFF had Johnny with five drops this past season. They had him. Uh, they gave him two against Miami. They said, which is not fair. I think one of them he got concussed on. Um, and then he had a drop. They credited him with a drop. Where did it just go on my screen there? Against Florida. And then he had two in the opener against LSU. They didn't give him any against Southern Miss. Which oh, I that's crazy. I, yeah, the Southern Miss one. Yeah, that's right. He did have two bad drops against LSU. Yeah. He still caught for 100 yards, but he uh, received yeah. for, got 100 yards receiving. But, yeah, he had a couple bad drops. I forgot about that. So he had the two bad drops against LSU. And then the Southern Miss game, I guess they didn't count as drops because they were there were DBs near him. But there were like four balls that he should have caught, that Johnny Wilson should have caught. Not a normal receiver, but Johnny Wilson should have caught, um, that he didn't. And then, what is that? So you said three catches the rest of the season? Three well, drops five. the rest of the season? Yes, yeah, after the LSU that's, game. Uh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. And then Keon, they only gave him two drops, both in the championship game. I thought he had one against Florida. I thought he had one really against did. Boston College. Yeah, he did. Well, again, I, if it's he, it's a ball that you would expect Keon to catch. Yeah, it was a jump ball where he was in front of the guy and he kind of dropped it. But I think maybe they don't count those as drops. Yeah, so. it's also PFF, so we take it all with a grain of salt. Game schedule: the remaining of it drops today at five o'clock. Corey and I will be live. I mm. think, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, no, yeah, we'll that. be live. I can't wait to do it. What would be less advantageous for Florida State? What would be what would be more dire? Uh, that's even a bad word choice there, too. Uh, so they got that Duke game on Friday, October 18th, that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, would it be worse if they had uh, Clemson the week before um, yes. or, or Miami the, the Saturday after? Well, yeah, Clemson the week before because you don't want to have to play Clemson and then have a short week with a road game at the yeah. end of it. That's not that's not where you want to be. Um I, yeah, I, I, Miami getting an extra day to play Miami. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm, I'm actually, now that you said that, I'm really interested who that October 26th game is because it might not seem like much, but you do get an extra day to prepare. You get an extra day to rest no. that Clemson or Miami, if it's Clemson or Miami that's one of those two games, they don't get. Uh, so that could be – that's very advantageous to get oh, an extra day of rest. Yeah, I, I botched it. I should have said uh, at Notre Dame, then at Miami or uh, – Clemson at home and then at Duke. Uh, yeah, definitely not. Week. You definitely don't want to play out a short week ever. Uh, okay. I don't know if they have to. I think they're going to get – we're going to get like three Saturdays off, Aslan, three or four Saturdays off, I think, the way the schedule shakes out. I think they get three buys because of the week zero game. Won't get that um, in the SEC in the Big Ten. Nope, nope. So enjoy it, folks. Enjoy it while you can. We got the Saturday – before the Boston College game is a week off. You got the Saturday after the Duke game is a week off. And then you, I think you got, uh, or at least that Saturday off, you get to sit on your couch and watch football. Uh, that'll be fun. We get, we'll get we probably have four Saturdays where we can watch other teams around the country play, Aslan. Are you definitely flying to Dublin, or are you looking into taking a boat out there? No, I'm definitely flying, okay. I think. Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. We haven't bought the tickets yet, but I'm definitely flying uh, to Dublin, sadly. So, the boats just take too long. It's like six days. I guess I would be back in time for the Boston College game <laughs> if I'm on a boat leaving Dublin. That's true. You might have just talked me into it. You might have just talked me into it. We'll see. <laughs> I ask this because we probably have the the oddest YouTube algorithm out there because I think all of you know all of us have access to the WarChant YouTube account because we're 
uploading videos to it all the time for you folks. Um, I'm constantly looking up random music, like random skate punk bands and rap songs. Mm. And then somebody went on a tear this past weekend looking up cruise ships. So I don't know if somebody's <laughs> planning on a vacation. I thought it was kind of, I it, it kept saying like the same, like it was like celebrity cruises. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a Corey Clark move. If I've ever heard of one in my entire life. And I started looking it up and I'm like, celebrity cruises, Dublin, Ireland. I couldn't find anything. Cause I was like, is Corey like doing, cause sometimes there's a lot of, there's also stuff that I'll see in there about like working out, like certain exercises. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. That's definitely, I, that's probably Ira. It could be. Could no, be. that's definitely, that's definitely me. I, I think, I think the cruise ships might be me too. Right. Um, but you know, I, which is I fine. It's fine. Yeah, live it I up. definitely looked up Dublin okay. uh, way back when this was all announced, and I think I even did it over the summer, and maybe even over Christmas break. I'm like, what is the deal with these cruise ships? Can we get to Dublin? Yeah. But then, uh, but then also, we uh, Stephanie and I are thinking about taking a cruise after the wedding. Oh, yes. So that might have been another thing I was looking up. Pro- absolutely, probably was me with the cruises. Okay, I was like, I'm like, is Tom going on a vacation? I were going on a vacation. Like everyone, everyone deserves to take one. I was just. I didn't, at one point, I'm like, is this a Dublin thing? I'm like, oh, it's a vacation planning. So yeah, shout out yeah. to those people. Are you guys going to stay a few? So, I mean, the game's on a Saturday. We don't have to be back here until. I'll probably stay. I think Steph and I are at least going to stay that Sunday and then probably come back that Monday, maybe come back that Tuesday. But mm-hmm. we want to make, we want to, because, you know, we I don't think we'll get out there early in the week, but I think we'll stay I think stay we over. are, man. I think oh, it's, they're going right. to practice out there, if I'm not mistaken. No, I didn't think they were. That's oh, what I think. Right. I think they were. They're leaving on Thursday, I think. Uh, so that's why I was thinking we would maybe take a couple of days after to uh, to stay in Dublin or the the great country of Ireland. Can't wait. And then Labor Day against the Eagles starting. Come against some Castellanos. Oh, I must spoke. I'm like ACC opener. It's not the ACC opener. The the season opener is the ACC opener. But I guess ACC home opener would be the Boston College. There's game. still time for Castellanos to uh, transfer. Absolutely. There's the, he needs the to get window. out of there. Yeah, he yeah. needs to get out of there. There's no need. Once he sees what he's working with, he needs to go ahead and bounce and get out to, uh, I don't know, man, anywhere. Go somewhere in the Big 12, buddy. Yeah. All right, we'll be live at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Before that, the Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock. Check it out. Hit the thumbs up. Leave a five-star rating interview, please. We would appreciate it. He's Corey Maslow. Thank you for listening to Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.